is a Woodside Church podcast. Good morning, church. It is so nice to be involved with you and to be reminded, as, as uh, Stuart said there, of how we come together just to do one thing, build each other up. And uh, we're all part of it. Who remembers the series 24? Yeah, watching it right now. The series 24, we really got hooked into uh, many years ago. And I remember in our house, we, it, was, it was mainly organized by Ben and Tim, and they organized 24-hour sessions where each hour we, we were watching TV. And, uh, and it went right through the night, and we did sleep for a few hours, and then woke up, and we had a breakfast together, and then we all got back together watching. And there was a lot of, lot of friends and, and so on in there. And we were just gripped. If ever you've seen it, certainly the first time we saw it, it was unbelievable. And, uh, and it all, each, each, each episode, was just a period of 24 hours. Do you remember that? And, uh, and afterwards, you would say, I don't believe it. All of that happened in, in 24 hours. And, uh, and that was it. That's exactly how it did. And it, it was so dynamic that they managed to show I don't know how many series of it and still keep us gripped to the chair uh, watching it. It's a little bit like that today. We're going to look at, at Saul, a man called Saul from the Bible, and, and we're going to look in the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 9, chapter 10. I actually tried to read this, these two chapters together, to see how long it would take. It took 10 and a half minutes, and I thought, nah, you probably wouldn't, wouldn't like to hear my voice for 10 and a half minutes reading. And uh, so, what I've done is, just if you could, we've got a diagram here. This is a, this is, actually there's 12 points on this, so a bit like a clock. And, uh, and we start at the top and then go down and we're gonna look at all these different verses um, as, we, as we go through. All of this, some think this could have actually been over three days. When I look at the scriptures, I don't, I don't really see that. I think it's probably more like one day in the life of Saul. I'm going to show another one like this for the second chapter. And again, the vast, vast majority of that happened in one day in Saul's life. So we're talking about two 24 series or episodes. And they are exciting. And uh, yeah, so I, I, maybe you, you might even, as we're going through it, you might think, you know, that could be my life. Might not all be in 24 hours, but you know, that could be some of the stages in my life. It says there at the beginning, chosen. That's the first part, we're looking at chosen and anointed. Chosen is chapter nine. And we were reminded so beautifully from the, the song there that Jesus is at the center. 
So when you see the word chosen there at the center, also see the word Jesus, because Jesus is the one who chooses us. Then when you see the word anoint, remember Jesus, because Jesus is the one who sends his Holy Spirit to anoint us. So I want to, as much as I can, go through this fairly quickly and, uh, and briskly, if you like. And uh, if you've got a Bible, if you've got, a, um, if you've got anything, we're not going to put up all the words. So if you do have access in some way, electronic or physical Bible, that might help as we go through it. You can see the titles I've got against each verse there, but actually seeing the verse as I read it, and you might have a different version to the one I've got, which might, might help understanding as well. So we, go, we start with the first one, right at the very top there, Mighty Rich Father. In, in 1 Samuel 9 verse 1, it says this, There was a man of Benjamin whose name was Kish, the son of Abiel, the son of Zerah, the son of Becherath, the son of Aphiah, a Benjamite, a mighty man of power, or could be translated a mighty man of wealth. This is Kish, and you might have pictures in your mind of people who are like Kish. You see, this all breaks into a story where Israel, the people of Israel have said, we want a king. They said to Samuel, who was the prophet and the priest, they said, and, and God called him a judge over Israel, we're not satisfied. You're, you're getting old, you, you just anointed your two sons to be judges, but we're not sure about them. We want a king. Basically what they were saying was, we don't want to do things God's way. We really don't want God to be in control of things. We want a king, like other nations have got a king who leads them into war and is victorious. And for this man Kish, the world are impressed when someone is rich and powerful. And then in verse two it says this, and he had a choice and handsome son whose name was Saul. There was not a more handsome person than he among the children of Israel. So that was a male version of uh, Miss, Miss World, Miss Israel. He was it. But then it goes on and it says, from his shoulders upward, he was taller than all the other people. He was tall, dark, presumably because of where he came from, and handsome. And his father was rich. But then we move in verse three and we start to talk about something very, very mundane, lost donkeys. It says, now the donkeys of Kish, Saul's father, were lost. And Kish said to his son, please take one of the servants with you, arise and go and look for the donkeys. Saul agreed to do that, he was, he was an obedient son. He was ready to do that. Didn't sound an exciting job, but he was ready to do it. But you know, 
Although it didn't sound exciting, this was about to be the most momentous day of Saul's life up to that point in time. And sometimes momentous things follow the mundane. Jesus says in Luke, he who is faithful in a very little will be faithful also in much. And there's another verse in Zechariah and it says, don't despise the day of small beginnings. Saul went out to look for some donkeys. They went on a journey and they went through one land and then another land and then another land. These were lands that belonged to certain families big families, maybe like his family. And they kept on going and they couldn't find the donkeys. Until eventually they arrived at a place called Ramah, still having not found the donkeys. And, and Saul, he said to his servant, he says, look, I think dad's gonna be worried about us. I think we should just go back. But the, the servant was a bit more positive a bit more dynamic than that. He said, no, no, he says, uh, I've got an idea, and let me read it. He said to him, look now, there is in this city, the city of Ramah, a man of God. He's an honorable man. All that he says surely comes to pass, so let's go there, and perhaps he can show us where we should go to look for the donkeys. Saul, again being Mr. Negative, said, but, he said, but, we don't have a gift for him. How can we go? And he was ready to turn back again. And the servant replies and, and says in verse 8, he said, look, I have here at hand, in my hand, a quarter of a shekel of silver doesn't sound very much. Shekel, I think, is an ounce of silver. So a quarter, quarter of an ounce, not worth that much. But he said this should be something we can give to the man of God. And so Saul said, okay, let's do it. Do you remember when Moses was called by God to go into Egypt, set the people of Israel free out of Egypt. And God started to say how he was calling him and what he should do, and Moses' response was a whole series of but, 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 and but. I don't know if you're like that, sometimes we can be like that. Say, yeah, it's a good idea, but. Even when God comes up with the idea, but. But what God said to Moses then was he said, what is that in your hand? And Moses was, he looked after sheep. He had, a, he had a staff in his hand. That's what he had. And God showed him how he could use that staff. And he would use that many times. When Joy and I went out to China back just 2000, 
And, uh, you know, we went out there not having any idea really what was in store. And we asked each other, we said, what have we got in our hand? Up to that point in time, you know, we'd learned some things about making disciples. And that's what we said to each other. We, we, we know a bit about making disciples. We said, okay, we'll go with that. And so on the basis of just that in our hand, literally, we went into China. What do you have in your hand? What experience do you have? What knowledge do you have? What, what giftings do you have? What, what passion have you got? Where you can say, that's, that's all I've got. God can take what seems so small and he can do such mighty things through it. So whatever you've got, wherever you are, God says, I can do wonders through you. Wonders through what you've got. God knows what you've got. All of your life up to this point in time has been part of his journey. Just like this journey that we're on right now with Saul. That all happened in a day. Yours has taken a bit longer to get here. But God is in a process of choosing Saul and he's in the process of choosing us for the next thing that he wants for us. When I was 10 years old, God put his finger on me. I'd just been caught shoplifting in Woolworths. God put his finger on me. He said, I want you. He said, thou shalt not steal. Didn't know where that came from. Never read the Bible. But I knew God was speaking to me and God was choosing a little 10-year-old boy because he had something for him to do. He would never have realized this little 10-year-old boy, God would call him <coughs> to go to the other end of the earth, to go to China and be there for years. God has, he's put his finger on each one of us. So they go forward to see Perhaps they can see this man of God. And it says in verse 11, it says, As they went up the hill to the city, they met some young women going out to draw water and said to them, Is the seer here or is the prophet here? And their response was, Your timing is perfect because he's actually coming here today to do the sacrifices. It all happened today. And if you hurry, you'll be able to see him. Just go up there. Maybe you'll meet him straight away. So they went up to the city. And as they were coming into the city, it says in verse 14, there was Samuel. They were looking for him. There he was, right in front of them, coming out toward them. Another perfect timing. Have you ever noticed how God is perfect in his timing? with us. But at this stage, Saul didn't know it was Samuel, 
But you know, Samuel knew who this was because it says in verse 15, now the Lord had told Samuel in his ear the day before, saying, tomorrow, about this time, I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin and you shall anoint him commander over my people Israel that he might save my people from the hand of the Philistines. For I've looked upon my people because their cry has come to me. Samuel was prepared for this because he'd listened to God. God had spoken, I love the Bible. The Bible is so practical. God had spoken in his ear. Now that doesn't mean it necessarily was an audible voice. I remember when Andy Martin was here and, and he was talking about listening to God and you know how we might ask God for guidance and so on. And his, his response was, he says, well, don't make it too complicated. How does God normally speak to you? Don't try to, to do something that you've never done before or is only what happens with other people. How does God normally speak to you? He might have spoken to you a lot or just a few times, but how does he normally do it? Try that method of listening. You know, God might speak to you through circumstances. Okay, go with that. Ask God for some circumstances. God might speak to you through strong feelings in your heart. God might speak to you through pictures. God might speak to you through dreams, through visions. God might speak to you through other people. Ask for somebody else to come and speak. God might speak to you through the word of God the living and active word of God, then go to it and say, God, speak. Master, speak, your servant heareth. Which is what Samuel said many years ago. So he'd heard God. Have confidence in the normal ways God speaks to you if you're seeking his will right now. And it says in verse 17, so when Samuel saw Saul, the Lord said to him, there he is, the man that I spoke to you of, this one shall reign over my people. Saul approached him, he asked directions, and he says, do you know where the prophet is? And Samuel said, I'm he. And straight away he invited him to come with him to the sacrifices, but he invited him to come to a meal that they were going to do. And he said, tomorrow I'll tell you everything that's in your heart. Wow. And so he went to the meal. But then he goes on and he says, but as for the donkeys that were lost three days ago, don't be anxious about them. They've been found. And on whom is all the desire of Israel? Is it not on you and on all your father's house? He knew Saul would have known that Israel was asking for their desires. We want a king. He knew what he meant by that statement. 
this was such a huge thing. But you know, Samuel knew that Saul was worried about donkeys. And God deals with us when we're worried by something. When something is getting in the way. Sometimes we can't see the big thing. We can't hear about the big thing because we're still consumed by the little thing. That's why Jesus, when he says in Matthew 6, he says, have no thought, take no thought, don't be anxious about what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink. What that word anxious means is, is don't have a divided mind. That's what that word means. Don't have a divided mind. You know, if God wants to be thinking, us to be thinking about something big that's going to happen in our life, don't let's be thinking and worried and fearful about the little things. God will look after those, whatever they are. To God, they're small. He wants us to be involved in the big things. And on the basis of that, he says, seek first his kingdom, which we've already heard today. And I'll look after all of these other things. Let's not have a divided mind. And so God was dealing with Saul, and he didn't want him to have this divided mind. And then they go to the meal, and it says in verse 24, so the cook took up the thigh with its upper part and set it before Saul. This was the, the prized bit of the of the animal and Samuel said here it is what was kept back we've held this back it was set apart just for you just want you to know you're important right now this is something serious eat for until this time it's been kept for you since I said I invited the people he invited 30 other people to this meal and he said we're going to keep this for someone special so it says Saul ate with Samuel that day God just through Samuel wanted to confirm and give courage and give faith to Saul something is going on today and so they had the meal and then uh, they went to a house and Saul was given a place on the top of the house to sleep. And, uh, and then the next morning, it says that Samuel woke him up early at the crack of dawn whilst he was still asleep. Reminds me of a, of a time when I was in China and... and we were, we'd been told the bus comes to this village. We were staying in a village. It comes at a certain time, I can't remember. I think it was already quite early, like seven o'clock or something like that. And um, so you need to be ready. So we said, yeah, we'll, and so we planned everything. We had a, you know, as British people do, you know, we had everything sorted out, everything structured, how it was all gonna happen. And, uh, and in that spot, I had a time to have my quiet time with God and meet with him and so on. And so I'm finishing doing my teeth or something like that, and then all of a sudden, somebody rushes in and says, quick, quick, everybody, the bus is here. And, and I look at my watch, I says, no, it's not. No, it's not till, not till, not till you know, seven o'clock. It's only like 6.15 right now. And uh, no, 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 the bus is here. 
what I hadn't realized was I was in China and I was in a village in China and they don't do things the way we do things with the bus service in, in England. The bus leaves when the guy decides he wants to leave, you know. And, uh, and so somehow everybody, then we just started to race down uh, to, to this bus and I'm thinking, I haven't had my quiet time, you know, I'm, I'm not ready for the day and, uh, and so on. And it says, as they were going down to the outskirts of the city, rushed by Samuel, Samuel said to Saul, tell the servant to go on ahead. And he went on, but you stand still a while, that I might announce to you the word of God. You know, I didn't manage to stand or sit still that morning with God to find out what on earth was gonna happen, what I should do. But Samuel didn't want that to happen to Saul. He knew he had a busy day ahead of him, which is chapter 10, which I'm hoping we're gonna to get to sometime. And uh, he knew it was gonna be a busy day, but he said, stand still and hear the word of God. And I think that's gotta be an encouragement to each one of us. There's a verse in Psalm 143:43. it says, let me hear in the morning of thy steadfast love, your hesed love, for in thee I put my trust. I'm gonna trust you today. And then we've heard about the word surrender. Teach me, cause me to know the way I should go. For to thee I lift up my soul. Just like Tox was saying, I'm putting myself on the altar today, God. You tell me what to do and I'll go do it. God wants us to meet with him like that every day of our life. And there was Saul meeting with God that way. And so this is, this is one day, I believe. And this is a... This is a lot happening in Saul's life. God was saying, I've chosen you for something. You know, in the New Testament, there are some scriptures I just quickly want us to look at, which remind us of how God has chosen his people. First of all, it talks about Jesus in Matthew 12. Behold my servant, whom I have chosen, my beloved, in whom my soul is well pleased, I will put my spirit on him, and he will declare justice to the Gentiles. That was Jesus, chosen by the Father. In 1 Corinthians 1, it says this, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise, God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things that are mighty. Saul had come from a powerful background. He was tall, dark, and handsome. He had everything going for him. When God is looking for his children, since the time of Jesus, he's looking for the weak. He's looking for the poor. The people who say, you know, I, I, I've got nothing. How can I do anything like this? But God is saying, no, this is who I choose because in such people, my power will be made perfect. If we are too big and too mighty, God's power is never gonna shine through. 
And then in John 15, Jesus says these amazing words to his disciples. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, I will give it to you. <clears throat> when I became a Christian, I was 14 at the time. I, I was pretty convinced I'd chosen God. Yeah, I mean, I was a 14-year-old. The world revolves around young people, doesn't it? We are the center, not, not Jesus, that we were singing earlier on. It's like the world revolves around us. And, and uh, sometimes even when we get older, the world still, we think, revolves around us. It takes us a while to learn that lesson sometimes. But, you know, Jesus says, no, I chose you. And that's why Jesus can be at the center of that diagram that we saw before. Because he said, you didn't choose me, I chose you. And, and I, at this point, I would just want to say, you know, I was 14 when I became a Christian. God had put his finger on me before then, when I was 10. There was a journey that I went through, and I could take you through lots of different steps in that journey. Maybe, you maybe you're sitting here, and you haven't yet done what we would consider as being putting our trust in Jesus and calling ourselves a child of God. I learned when I was 14 that all I had to do for that to happen was that I had to believe in Jesus, and I did, and I had to, but I had to receive him into my life, that he would come in, take over, and make all the difference in my life. I wouldn't be in charge anymore. He'd be in charge. That's what I did when I was 14. Didn't understand it all. But that's what I heard when I went to church. And, you know, some of you might have come through different steps and stages up to this point in time, but you still haven't as yet received Jesus. And I would just say, do it, do it, do it today. Because God has chosen you. You have been in the center of a, a wheel of, of, of different things that have happened in your life. It's all been, God's been there in all of it. And it's been part of the journey that he's got for you. He's choosing you to be in his kingdom, to be one of his children. And then just to finish off, just how, what it describes, a verse that Stuart mentioned in, verse one, in 1 Peter, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. We are God's chosen generation. You might think, well, I'm the old generation. You're God's chosen generation. Others might say, I'm, I'm the young generation. I, you are God's chosen generation. You might say, but I'm not old enough yet. You're God's chosen generation. You might say, I'm too old. You're God's chosen generation. To do what? To be a royal priesthood. King, priest. That's how God wants us to be in his kingdom. As part of a holy nation. So let's go on to chapter 10 very quickly. It's got to be quickly, hasn't it? Um, <clears throat> and we've called this anointed. And in the middle there... And 
It says Samuel takes a flask of oil in verse one. He pours it over Saul's head. He kisses him. And he says, is it not because the Lord has anointed you commander over his inheritance? He's anointed with oil, a symbol of being anointed with the Holy Spirit, anointed to do a job, anointed by the Holy Spirit. But then he says some things to him which are going to be signs to him that say, look, this is for real. And he says in verse 2, when you have departed from me today, you will find two men by Rachel's tomb in the territory of Benjamin at Zelsar. And then it talks about what will happen with these two men, talking about the donkeys. And so they go there. And sure enough, there's these two men by Rachel's tomb. And they're talking to him about the donkeys have been found. God still wants to make sure he's not worrying about the donkeys. God still wants to make sure you're not worrying about lesser things, even right now. Because he's talking to you about big things right now and me. And then he says, and then in verse 3, you shall, shall go forward from there and you'll come to the tree of Tabor. There three men will be there. One of them will be carrying three goats. I mean, I can't even imagine one man carrying three goats. How do you, how do, you do it? Because they squirm around, don't they? Another one will be carrying two, is it? Three, no, three loaves of bread. And another one will be carrying a skin of wine. Now, that's all very, very specific. If... He came and and the guy was only carrying two goats. Well, you know, Samuel gets things wrong. Maybe he's got it wrong about me. No, no. When God gives us a sign, he doesn't get it wrong. And so there were these people. And then it goes on and and, and he says in verse 5, After that, you'll come to the hill of God where the Philistine garrison is, and it will happen that when you've come to the city, you'll meet a group of prophets, and they'll be prophesying. But then it says, one will have a stringed instrument, another will have a tambourine, another a flute, another a harp. If the harp wasn't there, hey, Samuel's word, it doesn't stack up. They were all there. And then in verse 6, it says, Then the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you, and you will prophesy with them and be turned into another man. You see, nothing outward had happened when, when Saul was anointed by Samuel. He'd been anointed with oil. Nothing happened. It didn't mention anything. But something different was going to happen here. All of a sudden, he was going to be prophesying all of a sudden he was going to realize he's got a new heart then he would know something had happened when he'd been anointed I remember again in China and uh, this young lad he'd only just come to the Lord and uh, and he he was amazed and he, he said to us he said when I went out into the streets I saw beggars and he says I, I I would never do this normally, but I just, I just found that I, my heart just went out to them. I just wanted to give them something. That does not happen in China. 
the Westerners give to the beggars, but the Chinese people very, very rarely would, and they, they just say they should be working, like the rest of us. But this young man, something had happened in his heart. When we become a Christian, something happens. And that also is a confirmation that something went on before. And then Samuel says in verse 7, let it be that when these signs come to you, all these different signs come to you, that you do as the occasion demands. What a lovely phrase, do as the occasion demands. I've called it do the right thing. God will tell you what the right thing is. Your mind will tell you what the right thing is. You'll know whether it's right or wrong. God will give you all that wisdom. And then he says, and you shall go down from me to Gilgal, and surely I'll come down to you to offer burnt offerings and sacrifices and peace offerings. Wait there for seven days till I come to you and show you what you should do. Notice he says, wait. Actually, we'll see in a later chapter, Saul doesn't quite do that and blows things. Let's be those that wait. And then in verse 9 it says, So it was when he turned his back to Samuel and he was going on his way, God gave him another heart. Straight away, he gave him a new heart. And it says, All these signs came to pass that day. All these things came to pass that day. All apart from the one in the very top left-hand corner, verse 24, which I think is probably a few days later, when it says that Samuel gathers together all of Israel and they eventually call for the tribe of Benjamin and then they call for Saul. He's not there. He's, for some reason, hiding behind the baggages. Um, but they get him out. And basically they say, you're going to be king. And Samuel said to all the people, do you say, see him whom the Lord has chosen? N that there is no one like him among all the people. So all the people shouted and said, long live the king. This was his public proclamation. And basically this had happened within two days of his life. In the New Testament, it says Jesus, after his baptism in Matthew 3, it says the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, descended upon him like a dove. And then in verse chapter 4 of, of the book of Luke, Jesus reads this in the temple. It says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He was reading from Isaiah. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. And then in 2 Corinthians, it's talking about us, says, now he who establishes us with you in Christ, that's all who have come to believe in Christ, and has anointed us in God, who also has sealed us and given us the spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. The moment we come to God in repentance and in trusting him, 
at that moment, he anoints us with his Holy Spirit. He seals the whole transaction with his Holy Spirit. You have been listening to a Woodside Church podcast. For more information, visit woodsidechurch.com.